Happy holidays, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, guys, what's going on? It is Jason. Sorry, we uh, missed you guys last week for Christmas. I guess we really gave you a Christmas present. You didn't have to listen to us on Christmas. Yeah, that's true. No one wants to hear us to ruin their holiday. So, But sorry, we're, we're not going to let this holiday go without some ruining. That's right. We can't let... It's like, <laughs> it's the final countdown. So I feel like it's appropriate that it's happening on New Year's Day after the countdown to the new year. That's true. The first thing you're going to hear on your new year is us. What you've always wanted. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I hope everyone had a good Christmas. We did. I mean, our bubble's kind of small since we usually um, have like a Sunday meal after church with my grandparents and my sister's family. And so that's who we were with on Christmas. And so our kids got a bunch of stuff they didn't need and it's already all over the house. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I like picking that stuff up all the time. Yeah, we got some new Lego sets. I got some new Lego sets, which I'm actually thinking about putting one together tonight while my kids are asleep because... Well, I tell my children that Legos are to be played with and taken apart and put together. My Legos are not to be played with or taken apart. Katie likes to buy really nice crayons for herself (laughs) and hide it from her kids. So when they find them, they'll go mark on the walls. Okay. Why are you going to air my dirty laundry like that? Why are you going to call me out on that? So that's an allusion to when I was, I don't know. I was younger than our youngest. So I was probably four, maybe five. My mom had these this really nice box of Crayola crayons, like a big 64 box, which I didn't really have as a kid because we didn't have a lot of money. And she had this really nice box of crayons because um, she would color sometimes. And she kept them like in her spot next to the couch. And she would not let me color with those crayons. And I really wanted to. So one night after everyone was asleep, I got out of bed and went to, got a box of crayons and I took them to color with them and not just color with them, but I colored on my bedroom walls with them in a house that we rented as an act of defiance and vengeance on my mother. <sighs> That's a pretty great story. I, I wish I could say that I feel contrite about what I did and ter- bad about it, but I don't. She freaking deserved it. And I think I was, had some pretty good vengeance. That's <laughs> it. And when our daughter plays with your Legos, you deserve it. Um, I put them up higher, the box out here where she can see it, and I wait till she goes to bed to put them together so it's not like I'm doing it in front of her and withholding. My mom colored in front of me with those really nice crayons. And I have a set of my own colored pencils that I do let her color with when we color together. So I'm not repeating history here. <sighs> now you got like this whole... Now, <laughs> now, if the... If our audience didn't think I was already a brat, <laughs> now they have evidence that I've been that way <laughs> for over 30 years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I could edit it out, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> to be f- I, uh, no, I, there is no excuse for what I did. Like, I probably shouldn't have done that, but I felt like it was the punishment for the crime, so... I just did it. It's like Aldrin Justice <laughs> on How I Met yeah. Your Mother. If anyone's That's ever true. watched the um, the sitcom How I Met Your Mother, Jason and I are basically Lillian Marshall. Except I would never be in a band called 
The funk, the whole funk, and nothing but the funk, because that's just not right. You totally would if you were a lawyer. You would be. You totally would be. Do we want to trot out your band names, your previous band names? No, I just want to move on to uh, something else. That's what I thought. <laughs> Ooh, fickle favorite. Um, and my returning fickle favorite, Mike Bacorny, sent me a book for my birthday, and it's an awesome series. And he's sending me the second one in the awesome series, and I love that book so much. And the series is so good. It's called the Athena Club series. If any of you like um, – it's like – Victor- it's set like in Victorian time with like classic literary characters and Sherlock Holmes and like um, kind of like paranormal, like there's vampires and Frankenstein's monsters and all that. Jason's <laughs> putting in the outline, the firefighter returns <laughs> is my pickle favorite. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Although um, Fred has not said anything awkward or untoward for a while, so you know he he could write in there. <laughs> I mean that you know of. <laughs> That's true that I know of. <laughs> <laughs> he was singing Duran Duran today, so you know. Yeah. I don't know. So you can only act like Simon Le Bon for so long before it catches up to you. This episode. It is our top 10 games of all time. It's pretty exciting. Yay! (laughs) I mean, it's all games that I obviously want to talk about, but I feel like it's all games that we always talk about. Like I was telling Mike today, it's not going to be a surprise. And then he was ripping on some of your fake news rankings, and he said, I don't know what it's going to be. I mean... Jason ranked Gambler so low, I don't even know. I mean, you gotta... Sometimes the the old new hotness just it comes and it goes. I mean, games are fickle. My opinion for games is fickle, apparently. He said, is Jason's number one game Zombie Side Invader? It has all the things he loves. Space, minis, dice, combat, non-beige colors, not a noble in sight. I said, you know, it could be. He's lost his mind in 2020. <laughs> 2021 is going to be a whole new year of gaming for Jason. Uh, I wouldn't count on it. Now that we're wrapping up 2020, Kickstarters have not been the greatest. So, um, and because I want to talk about our top 100 game or top 10 games, I flaked out on the news. So we're just going to move right to games played because Jason wouldn't, wouldn't let us skip games played. And we've actually um, been doing some gaming, thankfully, over our holiday break. That we have. So let's talk about some of those. So we're going to talk about three. And the first one we're going to talk about was mostly for last week because it would have been a Christmas episode. But it's a cool game, so we're going to talk about it anyway. And it's called Santa's Workshop. So this is a a worker placement game where you're taking on the role of four elves. And you're trying to build toys for Santa to deliver on the kids. Not deliver on the kids. Deliver to the kids. Delivering on the kids would be a whole different thing. Uh, yeah, that's weird. Um, so you're doing that through placing your workers in um, some factories to get some type of goods. You're going to go to the mine to get some coal. You're going to go to the mail room to get the, the toys that the kids want. You're going to go to the classroom to learn how to be better at making toys. And you're going to have to go to the place to get um, assembly, like lessons in assembly so you can put the toys together. Uh, it's It's not a super hard game. It's just normal worker placement but the theme elevates it a little bit because there aren't very many good christmas games 
And I think this is probably the best one, at least that I've played. And I wanted to talk about it. So what did you think about Santa's Workshop in our second play? I think it's our second, maybe third. Yeah, it's either our second. I think it's our third. I like it. Um, I actually think I like this one at a higher player count because you have to make, I think, um, like tougher decisions and your gameplay changes. Like, I love I love the theme, obviously, because I like Christmas presents and I like giving gifts. And so you see like these neat little gifts come out, but you can always go cheap on the gifts and make them out of plastic instead of like the actual wood or metal or fabric or whatever that they're supposed to be made from. And so when you're playing with more players, you're not going to be able to get the as many of the authentic kind of goods and still be competitive. So I think you're you're forced to compromise a little bit more in that case whereas when we played, I never used any plastic parts. And um, I felt like I wasn't super limited on myself, and I I like whooped you pretty serious. Yeah, I I like to use the plastic just because it's easier and quicker, and but you get less points, so that does kind of bite you in the butt a little bit. The other thing I don't like about this, um, is the artwork is hideous, like it's really ugly. It's like a a Euro game that. Clemens Franz drew before Clemens Franz knew how to draw a Euro game. No, some of Clemens Franz stuff is not great. Exactly. That's what I'm, that's, that's what I'm saying. Even his like current stuff isn't great. So this is before that it's, yeah, it's, it's not good. It's not good at all. And with, and I think it's, it's even worse because we have, there's so much Santa type art out there. That's really good and really cute. And I really enjoy like um, Rankins and Bass, like stop motion Santa. And there's just so many cute depictions of Santa. And this is not. And the elves have really stupid names. And I'm like, if you're going to name them, name them like good elf names, like Sugar Plum or something, you know, something cutesy, but not like Flunder Buff or something. Like they have really stupid <laughs> names. I had Jingle. That was a good one. Yeah, that was the only one. That's I, true, yeah. I literally had like... Hank had some terrible ones. and like fluffer nutter and <laughs> spangle schmirker. It was just like weird. It wasn't even like you know using the word tinsel and making like Christmas theme names. I'm like, come on, come on. I'd love to take it and make it like a really pretty deluxe. I'd love to do deluxe version of this and make it look awesome and cute. And I think it'd be even more fun with like. There are shaped um, elf meeples, which does help with the cuteness factor. But but they actually play a role, too, because each of the elves, you're putting training tokens on the certain elves. So whatever shape of the elf you send out, they're going to reference that training token, which is pretty cool. So they have a purpose. They're not just there for different decorations. Right. But I like because they're cute. Yeah. So if you want to know more about this game, um, I did a video. It's on our YouTube channel. Um, it's it's a, like, I don't know, a family plus worker placement game. It's not the greatest game in the world, but the theme does add a little bit to it and it makes it a little bit better in my opinion because it's actually a decent game with a Christmas theme that, you know, you want to play. So I, I like this one. Yep. All right, and next, we played Wingspan, but we played with both expansions because we got the new Oceana or Oceania. I'm not sure how you say it. The new orange box expansion, we have <laughs> it. And um, we played with both expansions because basically it's just more cards in Europe and there's more cards in this one, but the new one is going to give you a new type of resource, which is a wild. And it's going to give you a different player board, which is going to give you some new types of actions that you can do instead of just what was on the original player board. 
So it doesn't change the game a ton, but the wild is a, a cool new touch because it's going to add like an area majority at the end of the game for however you spend it. And it doesn't carry over between rounds. So if you get it, you need to use it. A new interesting decision still doesn't change the game. The game's still great. Just more birds. There's like 300 and some birds now. It's insane. It's it There's so many birds. You're never going to see all the birds. If you see all the birds during a game, you are playing way wrong. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, there's so many birds. So I like this new expansion. I thought the wild fruit was cool. It doesn't change a ton, in my opinion, about the game. I still like it. Just more bird cards are cool. So what do you think about Wingspan with both expansions or just Oceana? Whatever you want to talk about. Yeah. Um, I like Wingspan. I believe it was in it's in my top 20. No, it's not. Oh, spoiler alert. Crap. I want to talk about this later. I like <laughs> Way to go, noob. Shut up. <laughs> I like I I do like the expansion. Um cuz again more birds are cool and I like that it's coming like the Oceana area so there's like a little penguin and there's like all these these Australian birds and stuff which I think is cool. Um but it also and there's it's sort of like you get like an area majority by using the nectar the wild um resource. But you can't carry over that resource from round to round. So then you're like, okay, I want to have it, but I have to use it in order to have it count towards the end, in order to like make it worth your time to take from the bird feeder, which I think is cool. And it also has um, like the cards have like different colors um, on them underneath the bird to tell you like what kind of actions it has. You know, there's the plain ones that are immediate actions. There's the brown ones that happen every time you activate that particular type of action. Um, there's the pink ones that happen to other people's turns. Uh, Europe introduced the teal ones that happen at the end of each round. And then Oceana has um, these yellow ones that happen at the end of the game, which I had a couple, and Jason did as well, had a couple really good end of game Um birds that allowed us to add like a bunch more eggs out there which is just straight up points um and i had another one that let me cash um like wheat or something or grain on one bird if i had it in my socks then i could actually use some of my resources so i think those are some really cool like those end and i i'm a sucker for the end of game bonuses um which is why i like to play birds that give me more like goal cards but those again, give you a different way to have kind of an end of game goal that you can use um, without, if you can't get those objector cards, which I thought was really sweet. I always negate or neglect, I guess not negate the end game goal. And that always bites me in the butt. So I didn't this time I actually grabbed some, got a bunch of eggs and it was cool. I still didn't win, but you know, that should be expected, I guess. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So that's good. If you get a chance to play wingspan with one or two expansions or not at all, play it. It's cool. It's fun, it's easy to learn, it's easy to teach, and it's a good time. Yeah. Then the last game we played is a brand new game. It's not. It came out in nice and shiny year of (laughs) 1970-ish. And it is called Go For Broke. Um, So this is from, let me look real fast. It's a Milton Bradley. Yeah, Milton Bradley, yeah. This is a Milton Bradley game. It's essentially the exact opposite of Gambler. Um, In Gambler, you're trying to be the first player to get to 1000 bucks. In... Go for broke. You're trying to be the first player to lose a million dollars. And what you're going to be doing in that is you are going to be rolling a die, traveling around the board. You're going to be going to the casino to play some slots and roulette, trying to lose as much money as you can. You're going to try to go bet on horses poorly. And you're going to try to invest in the stock market and hope to lose money on the stock market. 
Um, there's lots of spaces on the board that people are going to give you money. You're going to earn money to help, you know, because you're going to be losing a lot so that you can't have all the good spaces on the board. It's a really fun game. It's it's silly. I mean, it's roll and move. Nothing great there. But playing on the slot machine and the roulette in the middle of the board is really awesome. And I like it. I like the old games that have a gimmick in them, I guess. And this is definitely one of those. And I enjoy it. So you finally got to play Go For Broke because I played it like three, four, three or four times without you. But <laughs> no. I finally I finally let you play it. And what did you think about this game? You didn't even let me play it. Like we had. That's true. You set it up and you you said you were going to play. Yeah. You had friends of ours, come, friends of ours came over and Jason left to get pe- to pick up pizza and I was or something. And I was like, I'm setting up this game because he's freaking going to let me play it for once. He's played it with all, everybody else but me. And I really want to play this game. And it was really fun. It is. It's like it has, you know, the simplicity of the gambler of rolling and moving and following the spaces and it's the push your luck and, you know, the luck of the draw of the spin of the die. Um, and in a, in a lighthearted, like ridiculous way and just like that retro feel it's, it's great. And like our copy actually is like mint. Yeah. It's, it's in great condition. Like it looks like it, is brand new. Really. Yeah, it looks really great, but it is. It's really fun. And your your movement markers are like champagne bottles with colors on them. And so you get this money and you want to lose. And normally I want to win money, but I apparently am pretty good at losing money because I won the first time we played this because I was just like buying shares of stock and never hitting the stock market, you know, blowing the horse races, just giving people money left and right, like buying them clothing because you think their wardrobe sucks, um, paying the rent on their hotels they don't want. It's pretty awesome. Like, it's really fun and to joke around and, and like get into character and just like try to lose money and get mad when people give you money for like running into you for damages. It's really fun. Like, it is good as much. And and I think, honestly, I'd love to play this more. I like the artwork of The Gambler better because I love that, like, schoolhouse rock kind of art to it. But this one plays just as good. Um, and I don't know how many copies there are out there because I know several members of the road had bought the gambler. If you like the gambler and you can, you can find go for broke cheap. It's well worth it. You can easily get your family members in on this, um, and have fun trying to get, just blow through your money. Like it's a good time. I loved it. Yeah. Now it's not a great, you know, there's not a ton of strategy in this game. It's a lot of luck, rolling dice, spinning wheels, but sometimes it's just fun to play a game like that. I mean, you're going to move to a space and do the thing. You're not going to move to a space and then think about what you're going to do and make a decision. Right. You're going, you're doing the thing. Whatever happens, happens. It is what it is. But it's fun sometimes. And the theme is cool. It's silly. It plays in less than an hour. So it's not going to outstay its welcome. It's, it's just a good time. Right. We played with one of our friends who's super AP. Like his wingspan turns took way too long. They were like 15 minute turns for no reason. Just to like play a bird, right? But that's the, <laughs> the nice thing about Go For Broke is he could roll the dice and move his pawn and then just give up the money or lose the money. Like it wasn't right. It wasn't a belabored kind of turn. So that was really great too to kind of break up some of that AP lengthiness that tends to happen when we play with him. Yeah. So as much as people rag on old games, there are some really awesome old games out there. And if you can find them, get them because they're fun. And I'm going to give a plug to somebody because I've been watching this video. He doesn't need our plug because he's way bigger than us. But right. Matt Wilkins is a guy who reviews a bunch of old, like vintage games is what he calls them. 
And that's where I saw go for broke. That, and he didn't do gambler, but we'll let him slide on that one. But he, he had bought a all the copies. Great, that's why. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but he has he has so many old old like games from the eighties and seventies that he talks about that are awesome. So if you're into some want to play some old games, go check him out, and you might find some cool gems like go for broke. Jason does love the gimmicky one because this one has um, like three spinning wheels to, for the different items on the different like. I don't know what this is called. Columns in the slot machine. It has a roulette wheel on it. It has a spinner with different horses on it for the horse races. Um, So he, he does love that. I was trying to get him for Christmas, a copy of mall madness, which I used to have, Oh man, that'd be so good. I want that. I used to have and played it a lot when I was a kid. um, But I subsequently got rid of it a long time ago. And so it's very difficult to find one of those or um, I asked my best friend if her mom still had in her attic a cop- their copy of Dream Phone, which is also a great game that I used to play a lot as a child. But there there are some good vintage games. So, yeah, check out Go For Broke. So let's get into the segment that everybody's been waiting for, the top 10 games of all time. <laughs> According to Katie and Jason. Of all time. <laughs> Now, I, there's going to be considerable overlap. Whatever. My list is completely different than yours. Right. I don't have Warhammer 40K. <laughs> I don't have Zombie Side in, Infirmary or whatever it is. Right. I don't. Yeah. I, I, I just. I, I don't have Magic the Gathering. I don't. I mean, technic- technically, we do have some of that. It's just not on our list. <laughs> right. Right. So you may have heard these games before. But we really like them for a reason. And so hope you'll indulge us as you hear our top 10. So hopefully the things that you thought you'd hear from us, you will hear this week. Because these are games that we love to play. We play frequently. Um, we recommend frequently. They are really, for me, a lot of these games are games that took me to the next level in board games. I grew up playing a lot of card games, a lot of Euchre, Hand and Foot, Crazy Eights, Rummy, all of that as a kid. And I played the classics Clue and Trivial Pursuit and all of that to death. And then, um, you know, I started with some of the lighter, like, party games. But really, these top ten are games that showed me the depth that could be in board gaming. At least that's what I see looking at my top ten list. I just see awesome games of all time. Yes, Jason's are all have ugly artwork and cubes <laughs> and tracks. So why don't you give us your first ugly artwork cube and track game? I mean, I think a couple of them have good art, but to get started is a really boring uh, beige and tracks game, and it is called Orleans or Orleans if you're good and from you know America like me. Who says Orleans? Um, Nobody. I'm just trying to be funny. Leave me alone. Oh, hilarious. <laughs> so, Orléans is um, a game where you're trying to move up on tracks and push cubes around and move around a map to get other type of resources and goods. But the way you're doing that is you're pulling your workers out of a bag. So, kind of like Quacks of Quedlinburg, but this was before that. And based on what workers you pull out, and how you assign them on your own little player board is what actions you can take. So you're still making decisions with what you pull out of the bag, but you're at the mercy of the luck of the draw, essentially. But there's ways to be able to draw more items out of the bag to kind of mitigate some of that. There's wild pieces you can put in your bag to kind of, you know, let you go wherever you need to go. There's automation that can block some spaces off to make the actions easier to take. 
and it's a great game. Um, if you like a little bit of luck in your um, your Euro games, this is definitely one you should check out. There's a really nice deluxe edition that has some nice wooden bits that you're pulling out of the bag. Ours is just the cheap pla- um, cardboard one because that's how I roll. But whether you get the cardboard or the nice deluxe one, it plays the same. It's just going to be a different look. So my number 10, Orléans. Yeah, I already talked about this one last week. It's a good, it's a fun game. We just played it not too long ago. That's true. Yeah, like a like, couple weeks ago maybe. Yeah. My number 10 is also an old game that has a deluxe edition that just came out recently, which I was really happy to see because I just actually saw James Hudson Hudson post um, on one of the board game groups maybe a week or two ago that he was playing this game. And I'm like, finally, people are taking notice, especially men in the board game community are playing this game and giving it the credit it deserves. And that game is Rococo. My number 10 is Rococo. In this game, you are making dress- dresses and coats. Um, and you're doing that through almost like using a deck to do action selection of cards that you have. Um, and so they're your workers. And certain workers can make certain types of dresses. They can elevate it. Um, you have to have, you know, the thread and the lace and whatever you need to, to make that dress. And you can either then make these great choices of, am I going to display this dress in this palace at this party? Let someone wear it and model it, um, which is going to give you area control for in-game points. Or am I going to use it to get the money from it because money is tight and it's necessary to get the items that you need to make more dresses, to get better cards so that you can get those masters in there instead of all these apprentices who can't make as nice of gowns as you want them to. Um I don't know why, but this game causes me more AP than than actually almost any other game. And I don't know if it's me. I don't know why that is either. I have no idea. Yeah. Every time I play it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, what do I do? What am I doing? I don't know what to do my turn. What is happening? Like, even more than a Vitale Asserta game. But cause, and I think it's because I feel like I should get this. A Vitale Asserta game, I'm like, I don't know what the frick I'm doing. I'm just going to take a turn now for the best. <laughs> but when I get to Rococo, I'm like, okay, you can do this, Katie. Like, Jason – and Jason has actually beat me many times at this game, which I think is part of my AP because I'm so ticked off. There's no reason he should beat me. Um, But it, it is really good. It's challenging enough – that, um, you know, you're really going to think about your strategy. You're going to be like, ooh, what do I want to do? There's these great choices, cards. You know, again, you can use those dresses in multiple ways or jackets. And I think that that's really neat. Um, using your money then, do you reinvest into your business? Do you invest in fireworks or these other kinds of things happening on the board that can add for your control, your area control? You know, deciding that. But also, like, your turn is fairly simple. You're just playing a couple of cards. And you make a dress or not, you take some fabric or not. Like you um, – so it's it's a really great balance. And I really love the theme. I feel like there should be more theme like this. Um, but unfortunately, I think it really has been overlooked by a lot of gamers because of the theme. But it is a truly awesome game. And my number 10, Rococo. Yeah, none of that new – gorgeous looking one from eagle griffin we're talking about the old busted one i want the gorgeous one from eagle griffin because it's got like that um that's the expansion has the expansion it has the points track and i like pretty games you don't like the black chits with numbers on them to keep track of your points come on that's classic honey 
you can convince yourself that it's classic. It means cheap. Cheap is what you mean. But if yes, fine. Okay, fine. It was not cheap though, because this game was hard to find because it was out of print when we got ours. But um, it's still good. It, whether you have the new one or the old one, it doesn't really matter. The gameplay is great, and this is a good game for sure. My number nine is a game. I'm not going to say too much more because I don't want to sound like a doofus. It's uh, Zulkin the Mayan calendar. So. <laughs> I'm just going to stop talking for the rest of the podcast. I so don't sound like an idiot. So, so Zulkin is a game that is essentially a worker placement game that has tracks and cubes. But the interesting thing about this one is your workers are on these big giant gears that are going to move them to kind of simulate passage of time. So you're going to put your worker down on the least you know, interesting space or the, the worst space. And as it sits on that gear, it's going to keep moving on to better and better spaces. But while it's on the gear, you're not going to be able to take actions with it. So you're kind of limiting yourself. How, how long do I want to let this guy ride? Do I want to just, you know, keep putting them on and taking them off real quickly and getting these little actions? Do I want to have all my dudes riding out? Because if you get all your people on the wheel, every turn, you either had to put somebody on or take somebody off. So you're going to have to pull somebody off that you may not want to, or put somebody on that you may not want to. So it's a cool like, it's a cool mechanism. Not a lot of games simulate passage of time that way, and I dig it. And it's a great game too. It has some cool crystal skulls. And um, so that's my number nine, Zulkin the Mind Calendar. Yeah, I I like this game a lot. Um, I like it a ridiculous amount better than like Teotihuacan, which is its sequel. Um, the gear system is cool. There are lots of things happening here lots of tough decisions to be made and it is a different interesting theme i wish that we were people that could paint and we could like jazz up our gears because i've seen people on the Borgen groups that make them look super freaking amazing and right now they're just like beige beige plastic which of course jason loves but you know <laughs> i some, love it i love it some of us would like a little color but yeah zolkin's good um my number nine is a game that I actually only want the old version, not the new snazzy version from Simon, because I don't need Hulk and Minis because they don't go into a balcony for me to shove them off. And that is Council of Four, my number nine. Oh, Council of Four. This game is so good. I'm sure Jason already talked about it. He ranked it too low is the problem, but... Every game can't be a top 10 game, okay? You got you gotta No, only the, the good ones, and you keep picking ones that aren't right. <laughs> Um, Whatever. Zolkin's amazing. Orleans is amazing. Uh, not every game is worth being a top 10 game. Okay. <laughs> so, Council of Four, we talked about this game before. And actually, we played it with my fickle favorite, and he stomped us into the ground. Or at least me, for sure. It was awful. I think he cheated. I think he, cheated. <laughs> he probably did. Um, but you are fulfilling taking contracts to put settlements on different towns on the map that's the board. And each town gives you a bonus. You're kind of collecting cards, um, ticket to ride style for the different colors in order for you to be able to influence the council members in these different areas to get permits to build there, um, to move the king around. You can influence his council to be able to get influence in these different towns. Each town has a bonus and if they're connected to the other ones, every time you fulfill that, you can like chain those bonuses, which is awesome. Um, and my favorite part is where you can change who's on the council, the color of the meeples in our version, the old version, old bus version. And they're in this little like cardboard, 
like balcony and so when you put one new, a new one in you can like push it and it sh- knocks the other one out at the end and they fall to the ground and <laughs> I like to play with that probably more than I like to actually play the game the right way um, but this game is really good it is it takes like some easy like ticket to ride mechanics which is a, a big or even splendor which are pretty common gateway games and then moves it up a little bit more to add some kind of new mechanics. So I think it is a great like next level game. And if you like minis, you can have the fat minis that sit on the edge of the board, but they don't get knocked off of a balcony. So that is my number nine council four. Yeah. I don't know why that was a big misstep. They had to have the balcony. Come on. That that's ridiculous. The balcony is so good. All right. My number eight is a game from the Italians. I think Zolkin might have been from the Italians too, but whatever. Uh, this one is definitely from the Italians. I know that for sure. And this is Lorenzo Il Magnifico. Um, this is a worker placement game that is really kind of different because the way that the worker placement works in this is it's going to be based on these three communal dice that you're going to roll. There's red, white, and black, or orange, white, and black. And based on the value of those dice, everyone has a worker that is corresponds to one of those colors. So we all have an orange, white, and black worker. You're also going to have a dummy worker that has a value of zero. So if you're going to send him out to the board, you're always going to have to send an assistant with him because he doesn't know how to do anything on his own. So you got to send some, you know, people that know how to do things to help this moron out so they can go take some actions. It's a really cool worker placement game. You're trying to also build some engines that you're going to be running throughout the board. Um, There's a, a faith track that's going to slap you around if you don't, you know, give your penance to the church or whatever as much as you need to it's really good um it's beige it's yellow i like it my number eight lorenzo il magnifico yeah this game is good okay so my number eight is also a beige ugly art game um <laughs> probably by the italians is it i don't know um yes it is yes okay that's what i was thinking i don't know any of their names daniel Toshini, and that's it I, I, he may not have done this i don't know yeah, I don't think he's in this one. See, yeah, I can't even get that right. This is why I don't talk about who designs games and what companies make them, because I don't know. But my number eight is Marco Polo. This game is really good. It is so ugly. Um, so, so very ugly. Especially the box. The box art is wolf. I mean, buzz your girlfriend, wolf. Like, it's bad. Uh, but the game is really great because you've got, a, and it's a, it's a type of game that I really enjoy because there's several different things happening. You are moving through the map, like on a Marco Polo type journey across to Asia, stopping in different places, having settlements, um, getting rewards that way. You are also fulfilling these contracts with, by collecting, you know, supplies as you're going through there, you know, spices and cloth and all those things, camels that you would find in, the far east and you know, you are like wanting to go on spaces with other people but you don't because you have to pay more you're limited and in your actions by what the dice that you've rolled this is a what is that dice placement game is that what that's called yeah dice placement yep so I, I didn't mention that at the top sorry so i really enjoy dice placement games also so you're using that and and the pips there the that determines the value of the action that you are doing it's and then and then there are these player powers that you get each person has one and i think joel mentioned this when he talked about this before everyone seems like op 
Like because they are, they all are, yes. But they all are in different ways. So you get you see you like Jason will have one where every time someone buys from the market supplies or whatever, he gets one, and I'm like, dang it, that is the freaking best thing. But then like he'll have one like you get to move like two workers around the map, so you can put these settlements all over the place. Like that seems awesome. Like, oh, you don't have to pay extra when you go somewhere that somebody else's. That's awesome. They all seem awesome. And that's what's so great about it. Like, no matter what player power you end up with, they all seem wicked powerful. And then you kind of use them to tailor what you go after. And you really, again, another thing I like about games, multi-pass to victory. Am I going to just fulfill all these contracts? Am I going to try to, you know, go after and hit the most you know, have the most settlements up here in a certain way because you've got these in-game um, goals as well to meet these settlements. Like, there's just a lot of different ways to, to do that in this game, and it's it's good and also hideous. So that's my number eight, Marco Polo. Yeah, this game's all right. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you'll find out why it's all right. Uh, <laughs> my number seven is a game that I don't actually think the art is terrible on. I like the art on this one. Um, and it is called Trakirian Legends of Illusion, or no one ever calls it that. Just call it Trakirian, because that's easier. Uh, this is a, what is this? A simultaneous action selection worker placement game where players are programming their movements of where they want to go in the round, and then they are going to place their workers out in that section and take the action. You're trying to basically learn different types of illusions and magic tricks from, I don't know, early 1900s. Harry Houdini time period, whenever that is, I have no idea. And um, you're trying to then put those tricks on in the theater to score a bunch of fame, prestige points, and money. It's a really cool game. It's got a lot going on. It takes up a lot of table space. It's kind of a beast to teach, and it goes on for a long time. But if you're okay with all that stuff, and you want to try a game with a really cool theme, you should check this out. So that's my number seven, Trickerian. Legends of Illusion. Yeah. Um... I like this game. I feel like I haven't played it in a long time. I don't think the artwork's that great. The board itself is fine. The some of the like tricks and stuff are not so good. But they do give you like advertisements for each of your magicians that look really cool. So I do like some of that. This game is good and I like to play it again. I think we have an expansion and I don't know if we have played with the expansion. Yeah, we have not played with that yet. Um so I think that would be fun to try. I do like this game, and even at two players, your worker placement is tight. Um, so not only are you battling to make sure you get all the stuff done you need to get done, you're also hoping that you can get the stuff you need from those spaces, depending on what you know your fellow player is doing. Have you played the solo? No, that's in the expansion that we got. I haven't done that yet. Yeah, I think that would be interesting, but it is a good game. It is, I don't know where it is on my list, but it's not in my top 10, but it's good. It might move up higher if I played it again to have more of those good experiences that I like. Uh, my number seven is a Steffenfeld game. I know this. What? And it's published by Queen Games. Holy crap. Good job. Yeah, you're right on. Two for two, people. This game is good. I also like it with the expansion. And my number seven is Merlin. Merlin is a rondelle game. Um, I like to play it with the Arthur expansion. So you've got even an extra rondelle inside the rondelle. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on with Merlin because you're moving around. You're wanting – there's like a area control 
little board that you can do stuff with off to the side. With the Arthur expansion, you're collecting these Picts, which we actually – did we talk about that last week in that Scottish game? Did I bring up that Scottish uh, like domino game or did I ever cover mm, that? I have no idea. Well, we didn't do a podcast last week, but – Oh, yeah, two weeks ago. Standing Stones. Did yeah, I talk about that one? Yeah, I don't – Thing. I don't know. I don't know. That I was wanted, two weeks ago. I wanted to talk about it, and I don't remember if I did. But anyway, Sitting Stones is about this these picks, um, which are like henge-type things, um, but actual pictures. So you're looking for those and making sure you collect some of those. You want the Holy Grail. You're fighting off invaders that are trying to breach your castle walls. Um, you're wanting to get these special pennants that help it's also a dice placement game. Crap, I need to put that at the beginning of all of my <laughs> descriptions. It's a dice placement game. So you have all these banners that can, or pennants that can um, change and mitigate some of your dice rolls if they're not really very good. You're moving Merlin, and he's like a joint character that everyone can move. Um, so you're wanting to know when to use the dice associated with him, um, when it's the most advantageous to you. Uh, you, there's a little area control even on the board itself where you have your different types of worker. Like you also have these other workers that go and help you collect, um, these other special powers. There is contract fulfillment. It's like everything in one game with a admittedly possibly pasted on theme of like King Arthur and Merlin and nice the round table. But I love that theme. And so I'm really into it. It's a lot of cool stuff happening. Um, it also doesn't overstay its welcome. I feel like it moves pretty quick because um, there's a set number of rounds. But it is so fun. And again, the multiple paths to victory. How am I going to do it? Am I going to – what am I going to focus on? Um, my way is not so your way. And sometimes we cross paths and I might move Merlin when you wanted to. I might take the thing that you want. I might take Excalibur from you but overall it's kind of you doing your own thing and this game is stankin' good so my favorite feld i think because <laughs> i don't know that any of my other ones are felds yes um, you are correct okay you are correct. cool cool um and that's merlin my number seven yeah and this has some colors too it actually has some pretty colors on it the board is other than it, I, I think this looks nice uh another game that looks nice is my number six and it is from uncle vital himself and it is called lisboa so this is a game that players are trying to rebuild Lisboa, essentially, from the flood, the earthquake, and the fires. And you're doing that through some card play. You're going to play cards either under your player board, above your player board, or onto the actual board itself. Based on where you play the card is the action you're going to get to take. Based on that action, you're going to have about 19,000 other actions that you can do. And uh, you're basically just trying to do the best you can with the lim limited amount of turns that you have. To score the most points. There's in-game goals, you, goal cards you can get. There's buildings you can build that are going to make points explode. There's like an area control thing in each of the the three people that are on the board. It's crazy. It's got a lot of stuff going on. It's really hard to teach. It's a super complicated game. But once you get it down, it's not that... It makes sense once you get it. It's just difficult to get there. And it looks really nice. It has a cool like... Um, cool look to it this is know, the one cool. i talked about a couple weeks ago when i talked about canadian money oh yeah <laughs> right like it canadian doesn't like money. canadian money yeah you're right yeah so great game if you like vital games you definitely should check this one out because it's good maybe not my favorite vital game but this <laughs> one is really good so my number six lisboa um i think it might be my favorite vital game yes it is yours hmm 
I like it a lot. My number six uh, has already been foreshadowed, and in kind of a shocking turn of events, it is Wingspan. Um, Dang, that's high. I know. I It almost seems wrong, but I really do enjoy playing this. I, re- I really do. And we just played it the other night, like we had mentioned, and I thought, yeah, this game, I think it's because there's enough complexity in there that I'm totally intrigued. But it's also not too difficult to teach other people. I'm like, here's your cubes. You mark your actions. You know, you if you do this action, you follow the cards over. Like, it's it's not hard. And the variability, and again, like, cards have multiple uses. Can, am I going to tuck this? Am I going to discard it to get more resources or whatever? Um, do I want this type of power? Do I want an in-game power? Do I want an end-of-round power? Um, I... You know, do I want more end of game objective cards? Am I going to go for that and worry about that? Am I going to worry about high point birds? Like, there's just so many ways to go um, to, to to a path to victory on this that it's just it's so worth it. I think it's such an accessible game, and I freaking hate birds. Like, I <laughs> I don't know if I mentioned this in the podcast before. I tell this to my students every semester when I do we do a getting to know you during the syllabus stage and i always say three things i love three things i hate and one of the things i always say that i hate birds they like go for the eyes and they carry disease Ah, i can't but i really really like wingspan obviously it's my number six and it's it's a really good game i think it's got enough depth for serious players but again enough ease of play to to kind of pull some some lighter players into the the deeper end of the pool so my number six is wingspan yep this is a good one and the the birds are all like art which makes it look a little cooler i think yes it is very nice to look at all right so up to this point there have been no crossovers yet in this section oh so i think um we may be hitting that section here starting right now my number five (laughs) Well, this isn't a crossover, but I think we're going to start getting into there. My number five is another game that has an interesting theme that a lot of gamers don't like because... They're tool bags. Yeah, it's about fashion and it's, you know, girly. I don't know, whatever. But this game is called Preta Porter or however... I don't know how you say it, Preta Porter. And It's really Preta-Porte. Yeah. If you're, that's French, it would be Porte, but whatever. It's yeah, ready, no ready, ready like to that. wear. <laughs> so we've only played the second edition or third edition i'm not sure the one that just recently came out with the new really good looking colorful art and this is essentially a worker placement game where you're trying to put on a fashion show get different times of types of um clothing pieces to put in the fashion show and get the proper colors of fabric and yarn to be able to make these pieces so you can display them in the fashion show. Uh, there's also some money management. You've got to pay your people who are working for you. You're going to grow your um, your fashion studio to have more spaces, to hire more workers, to get special abilities. There's just a ton of stuff going on. It's a really cool game. It always feels tight. It always feels like you're drowning in debt. It always feels like you're not doing anything successfully. Or maybe that's just me because I've never won this game. <laughs> but um, even despite, in spite of all of that, I enjoy playing it. It's fun. It looks nice. And it's been one that we've been wanting to play forever. And when we finally got a copy, it was amazing. So my number five, Predaporter. Predaporter. Yep. It's good. 
<laughs> jab, jab, okay. wink, wink. Uh, <laughs> my number five is not Fred Porter. It is Lorenzo El Magnifico, which Jason did a fairly good job of explaining that game. I zoned out while he was talking, but I'm sure it was great. Um, it was a Jason. It was a Jason's plane. We all know. We we're there are some that. dice, and you roll them, and you put them on. The, you take some cards, and you stick them here, and then you move them around. <laughs> I did. And a little there's bit a track, than that, but <laughs> it was close. <laughs> he did. Um, Lorenzo is so great. I love engine builders. Again, there's some really hard decisions to make in this one. Everything is so tight from resources to money to your movement on the tracks. Like who? And so because of that, you kind of choose a way to go, like what is going to be the most beneficial to you to try to get the most points that you can, which I like because I feel like in this one for sure, there is no one clear way like, oh, if I I have to do this in order to win. I don't think it's true. Um, The last couple of times we played it, I haven't run the engine with the cards hardly at all. But there are end of game goals that have to do with cards that I just loaded up on to help me out. And that worked well for me um, because in the game, I was having trouble getting some of the other tracks and, and get so having access to certain cards um, on some of the towers. But it it is it's so good there again is a lot of stuff going on. It has a feel of, you know, the Italians, the games that they make are the games. I, I just I like that. I like that little bit of challenge. Like, it's not completely overwhelming. Sometimes when I play a VTAL game, I'm like, I am going to take this action because it's the only one I think it can do right now and hope for the freaking best. Um, whereas I feel like with the games by the Italians, there's lots of different things to manage. And my brain can do that. It's just it's just like being a woman every day. <laughs> my brain is managing 20 things all at the same time. And... I I, I like that challenge, and I, I think that finding ways to make those things really chain off of each other is something that I, I really enjoy and I strive for, and I think they design these games to work that way, and it's just brilliant. And so rounding out the beginning of my top five is Lorenzo Il Magnifico. Yep, I agree. Well, you agree with me, so I agree. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm moving on. Yep. Uh, my number four another crossover which should be a sign of things to come here <laughs> right uh and it's the voyages of marco polo katie already explained it i'm not gonna keep talking about it i did it. a terrible a, job actually no you didn't basically it's a dice placement game you're moving around you're collecting money you are have a special player power that's way overpowered everybody knows what this game is it's great i love it uh i like to play it we don't play it a ton but i think i played it not that long ago with somebody i don't remember but it's a good game. If you like cool dice placement with some beige art, check it out. My number four, The Voyages of Marco Polo. My number four you may have heard mentioned before. I mean, somewhere in the <laughs> list of Jason's. My number four is Predaforder. It was a girl game for us for a long time. And I would actually really like to see what the older version looked like. I'm intrigued by that. It's it's not very good. It's It literally is like tan and it looks like all the people were naked. I can't believe you didn't want that one. I did. That's the one I wanted. But you can't find it, and it's, like, crazy expensive. Still? Even with the new edition out? Oh, I haven't looked at it recently, but That's... before the new edition, it was crazy. Yeah. Um, this Getting this game um, was, like, what made being a board game reviewer podcaster all worth it. Um, it's, so, it's so good. Again, there's different things that you're managing. You really get the feel, I think, of running, like, a fashion house. 
from choosing the designs, what kind of collection you're specializing in, making sure you've got collections ready for the different fashion shows, having the items needed to make the collections, um, having the employees necessary to make the connections, to put your brand out, to give you some PR, to give you some media coverage, um, displaying them, you know, getting the fashion show out there, managing your money. I think that that's really great. I think conceptually that's so great. And I'm so glad they kept that theme instead of the talk of moving to a video game theme. I'm like, really, if we can't handle, like, there is no reason why all genders can't appreciate a game with a theme of fashion. Like, I mean, give me a break. And, and the artwork on the new one is phenomenal. It's kind of minimalist and, and edgy, but not in like a, like a, a way that really turns me off. Cause I, I don't, I don't really love like high fashion cause some of it's but ugly. And I'm like, people will never wear that in real life, but this gives you the hint of high fashion without being like contemptuous, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I'm reading way more into it because Jason already talked about the game, but it is, it's, it's such a good game. And the several times I've played it, I'm always like, yeah, I want to do this again. At the end, I feel really successful. Like, yes, I ran this fashion empire. Yes, I made these coats. I made this athleisure line and it was awesome and it showed well and I managed my money and I got some good people working for me and this was awesome. Like, it just gives you such a satisfying feeling. Um, it's so good. My number four, Prada Porter. I wonder if that's how Anna Wintour feels every time she puts on a fashion show. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, there's, there's like less slapping like interns around and stuff <laughs> in the game than in real life, but you know. Yeah, that's that's probably true. <laughs> All right, so my number three is uh, my favorite Vital Asserta game, and it is called The Gallerist. And Katie talked about this, I think, last week, maybe, it, or the last podcast. It's It was recently, because she likes it quite a bit. I do. And this is a... Uh, a worker placement game where you're trying to buy and sell paintings, um, put on paintings on display, make artists, photographers, sculptors famous. So your um, art gallery becomes more popular when you're displaying their paintings or art. You're also going to go to the foreign market, get some stuff there by doing some auctioning. It's a cool game. Um, honestly, Lisboa might be a better game, but I like the gallerist better. One, because it was what? my first... Yeah, it was our first Vital game. It was. that That's part of it, I think. And two, I like the theme a little better, and I think it's more accessible to people to play because it's not as crazy as Lisboa. The Gallerist makes way more sense. Um, it's easier to kind of understand how actions are flowing and all that thing. So I, I to me, I like the Gallerist better. I think the Lis- Lisboa is better, but I like the Gallerist better. So that's why it's my number three. Yep. I like this game. I like um, the Eno Tool artwork in the the colors that he chose like it's really appealing to me and probably more appealing than the canadian money artwork of lisboa although i for some reason like that game better i still haven't figured it out maybe it's because i haven't played galleries in a long time or the last time we played it maybe i had a bad experience or something i'm not sure but it is good it's really good my number three is a game that jason talked about way too low long ago and i believe this is another game by the italian yes that's correct now, did Danielle Tashini on this one, or who's the other ones? Um, there's Danielle Tashini. There's Flam- Virginio Gigli. I don't know how to say their names. I'm butchering them all. 
Uh, and I just Simone, want to hear you say their names. Right Simone down. Luciani is oh, yeah, one of Simone them. Simone Luciani. I think he might actually be a part of this one. I'm not 100% sure, though. Um, And that game is Newton. Oh, man. Like, again, this is you're managing multiple things. You are completing these actions. Like, you're filling these bookshelves to get bonuses and then also, like, do, like, kind of a, a bon- like a scoring engine for end of round kind of bonuses. You are moving around. It's not a map. It's like a tree diagram of things. You are, um, like, climbing up this ladder for money. You also are moving around an actual map in another segment. And somehow I, I don't understand how any of that fits the theme for the most part. The Newton theme, I feel like, is kind of pasted on there. Um, oh, 100% it is. It totally is. <laughs> but I, I just, I, I really like how you're managing things and, and placing your workers and that you can get more workers and do different types of things. And um, you can use these bonus cards, different people to give you these little boosts. Like, it's a cool game. It's It's... A lot of things to kind of keep track of, but it's not – I don't feel like it's as difficult to work through as some of the other games, the heavy games that we like. Um, because I remember like Predator, we played with Brandon and I think he wanted to flip the table. Like I really – I really do. He will never play the game again, I don't think. But Newton, I felt like he really got – you. The, the hardest choice is deciding what am I going to work on? really in each turn because there are so many things to work on. And when you see someone kind of moving ahead in certain points, you're like, ooh, maybe I need to move up that track next time. Or, oh, I need to move around that map. And then you see like bonuses kind of piling up and like moving off of each other. There's this really cool synergy that can happen when you're managing all those different things. But it's not it's not hard to do. You just have to decide how you're going to do it. And again – that idea that I can do it, I can choose my own path. And really you are because this is a game where you have a deck of cards that you pull your actions from and you can add to that set of actions or you can choose those actions to kind of enhance. Um, so you are, again, choosing your own path to victory, which I stinking love. So my number three is Newton. It's also ugly as sin. Today's top three Brought to you by the Italians. <laughs> For real. <laughs> All right. So here, here's some drama. So my number two was actually my number one last year. What? There's, there's going to be a new number one in this uh, top 10 or top 100 for me. So my number two is Coimbra. Still a great game. Uh, I still like it quite a bit. It's a Euro game that actually has color. Um, it's a dice placement game from the Italians. Uh, you're using your dice in a couple different ways. You're going to use them to for the value of the pips to purchase some cards. You're going to use them based on the color to move up on some tracks and get income, so on and so forth. You're trying to draft these cards to, to run an engine, get some in-game scoring cards, just a whole bunch of stuff going on with not so many actions in typical Italian fashion. So great game. I love it. Just there's one game that I like a little better, and we'll get to it. So that's my number two, Coimbra. Yeah. <laughs> this game is good my number two also was my number one last year 
This is going to blow your mind. Those of you that have listened to us and have heard me talk about my favorite games, my favorite game, (sighs) we'll be shocked. My number two is Grand Austria Hotel. It's also by the Italians. It's also a dice placement game. You're seeing a theme here. Um, Gosh, this game is so freaking good. In the true Italians fashion, you've got different things to manage. There is a track that you're moving up because the government crown, whoever is coming to inspect you every so often. And so you got to make sure that you're currying favor and doing things you need to do there so you don't get slapped around. Meanwhile, the emperor, the emperor is going to slap you around. Whatever. Of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, I'm sure. So meanwhile, you are drafting guests you are fulfilling their orders in your cafe you are opening rooms for them you are moving them into rooms to close rooms and all the while like these guests are giving you bonuses you are trying to hire employees to make things easier you're working with whatever dice come out in the pool because they tell you what actions you can take and also i have the freaking fantastic most fabulous upgraded parts to this game little cakes and espresso cups and Oh my gosh, they're so freaking adorable. I can't stand it. So ah, this game holds such a special place in my heart. And it was a game that I would always win, except the one time I did a stupid like live play and Jason won. Domination. And I wanted to throw myself off of a balcony, but I didn't. To be fair, I think last time we played it when it wasn't live, I won as well. No, I don't think you did. I think I did. I think I'm remembering that correctly. I don't oh get many gosh. wins. I don't get many wins, so I remember those. I think last time you won because I was too distracted because we had all these new pieces and I kept playing with the cake and sure. the bottle. Blame of it wine. on the pieces. Blame it on the pieces. You Not know awesome I do that. Mad skills. You know I do that. Oh, please, let's bring it out right now. <laughs> we are playing it tonight before we go to bed. You're not even editing the podcast. We're playing Grand Oscar Hotel, so I can whoop your butt. <laughs> We'll put it live so everyone can watch you lose. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're so going down. <laughs> this game is so good, but maybe that demoralizing live loss made me move it down to number two, but it's still such an amazing game. And that's Grand Austria Hotel. All right. The moment we've all been waiting for, or at least, you know, we think you've been waiting for, or we're, we're going to tell we're you. We're waiting anyway. for it, and you can pretend you were waiting for it. So there was this time I played this game with Katie on Facebook Live. And I beat her really badly. I hate you. A game she always won. And my number one game is Grand Austria Hotel. <laughs> uh, everything Katie said is a great game. Um, I'm surprised that I actually beat out Coimbra because I really love Coimbra. But I think gr- we just played Grand Austria Hotel more. So that's probably why it's higher for me. Because I like it. If there's a game that somebody would want to play that's a Euro game, I would. and they're, they've played some other types of heavier euro games before i would bust out grand austria hotel because it's amazing um so yeah i'm not gonna say much more about it katie already explained it my number one grand austria hotel just for that i'm eating some candy out of your stocking oh come on i'm eating crabby patty oh it's a crabby slider it's a crabby slider i made a good mis- i made a good huge luck. mistake in trying that right before i was talking about my number one <laughs> yeah, game <laughs> good luck chewing that while you're talking yeah i'm not ending it out either it's gonna be embarrassing <laughs> no okay Fine. I'll take that embarrassment. I'll as much as the embarrassment you should feel over how many times I beat you at this game. My number one game. Every, t- every time. Every time. Because I don't just beat you. I punish you bad because I'm so good at this game. And I've beat Brandon, I think, every time as well. Let's play it on Facebook Live. 
you shut your hole. My number one is Coimbra. Um, Jason explained it. Gosh, this game is so, so good. Dice placement, different kinds of cards to move you up on different kinds of tracks. Um, cards that are played in that can stick around and be used in different phases, whether end of game goals, whether like a continual kind of every round um, action or scoring. Those are the cards I love. Um, and you're really just trying to manage all these tracks, move up as far as you can on as many of them as you can move around this map. It is like that fine balance and um, when to like play, like it, you choose your cards and like an, in an auction kind of format, which I don't always love, but it, it really has like, even at two players, it, it's it adds great element of tension and the artwork I think is so it's really beautiful. I love the colors. They're rich and, and I like the little the artwork that's done on it. <sighs> this game is really good and I can't believe it eclipsed my former number one, but it's I would play it right now in a heartbeat. So my number one game of all time is Coimbra. So just before anybody gets on us, we have a lot of crossover. We understand we play games together. So that's probably going to happen. We've been married games- for 13 years. We are one <laughs> flesh. So we tend to play the same games. Yeah. And we play the games that we like because we like them. So that's why there's a lot of crossover in this top 10. So sorry, not sorry, I guess. Right. All right. So let's <laughs> recap our top 10 games. All right. My number 10, Orléans. My number nine, Zolk in the Mind Calendar. My number eight, Lorenzo Il Magnifico. My number seven, Trakirian. My number six, Lisboa. My number five, Preta Porter. My number four, The Voyages of Marco Polo. My number three, The Gallerist. My number two, Coimbra. And my number one, Grand Austria Hotel. And my number 10 is Rococo. Number nine, Council of Four. Eight, Marco Polo. Seven, Merlin. Six, Wingspan. Five, Lorenzo Il Magnifico. Four, Preta Porter. Three, Newton. Two, Grand Austria Hotel, and my number one, Coinbra. I know you're all sitting there in stunned silence at the bomb <laughs> we just dropped on you. <laughs> we basically just swapped number ones and two, which is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> We're so predictable. Uh, yeah, I mean, everyone should have expected that. I don't think this top ten, anything in this top ten, if people were surprised by, I would be surprised. Like, these are games that we've talked about so much that that should be no surprise to anybody. I know. I kind of feel like I wanted to throw something in there just to be like completely unexpected. But <laughs> and by completely unexpected, I mean totally expected. Completely expected. But I didn't. So were you surprised? If you were, please let us know. Um, comment on our Facebook page. If you aren't a member of hashtag the riveted, our Facebook group, you need to be. Everybody in there is awesome. It's totally game-focused, totally encouraging, totally positive, and we fight to keep it that way. Okay, I haven't fought anyone yet, but I will. There hasn't been any need really for us to be mods or anything, so it's cool. That's what we like. That's how it should be, and that's what we're going to strive to make it be. Right, but I will cut a fool if they get out of control on there, because I'm not having yeah, that hear, in my group. You hear that, Fred? You listening to that? Three strikes, you're out, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and if you join our group, we start calling you out in the podcast by name. So that, that's, that right. Is that. that's right, that's <laughs> right. Although, we haven't called out some new people. Like, we've had some people posting that I'm like, hey, 
welcome. Thank you. Yeah, so, that's true. I mean, we could do that, but then I'd have to remember a whole bunch of other names, and that's just probably not going to happen. I know. Jason can barely pronounce his own name, so. Yeah, you, I mean, you're not wrong. It's a good thing you have, like, the most generic name <laughs> next to, like, John Doe. <laughs> I mean, they all heard me pronounce these those Italian names earlier. It was embarrassing. Yep, it's embarrassing to be you sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> I speak one language, and that language is American. It's and Marcus. I'm sorry for an, for anybody that I offend, I apologize. It's American, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> But yes, the group is awesome. So if you aren't a part of that, please, please send us a request. Join um, YouTube. We've got content. My daughter just um, Jason just dropped a video with our youngest daughter because she got a fun game for Christmas creatures and cupcakes. So if you've got little ones, we've got some games on there for you. Um, I periodically make an appearance when I feel like it. <laughs> um, and then Jason does a crap ton of work reviewing games we still have a ton more really to make videos of. So there's always content being added to our YouTube channel, like subscribe, comment. We love to hear from you. Twitter, um, Instagram, we are accessible on all those social media platforms. So please, you know, tell us, tell us your top 10. That's probably easier than top 100. So tell us what your top 10 favorite games are. We'd love to hear about it. I'm always looking for new games because I know my scope of games is limited. And I'm always willing to – well, I'm not always willing to try something new. But I'm always willing to let Jason make me try something new. (laughs) And so we're always looking for new games, especially when they're recommended by members of our listening audience. I always make Katie try games that are new, but I won't let her try games that we own that she hasn't played. Yeah. We've got a whole board there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the board of eligibility of games uh, that I'm not allowed to play. Yep, that says Katie can never play this game. She just has to look at it and wonder what it's like. Well, Go for Broke got off that list. I don't think it was on the list. I haven't been uh, updating the list very well. The, so it's, the list of eligibility still, is pointless then. <laughs> I mean, it still has like 80 games on it. <laughs> that nobody can read but you. So who knows if I'll That's ever right. play them. That's me oppressing you, keeping you down. That's, uh, I know, it's the way the world is. <laughs> But uh, we just really want to thank all you guys for listening to us for the past year. I don't know. Have I been doing episodes the whole past year? Uh, Pretty close. I'm not sure when it started, but it was pretty close, yeah. Yeah, and you, you guys have been so supportive. Um, really, like, we definitely don't do this for the money. We definitely don't do it for the fame. Um, we do it for the free games. But we also do it because <laughs> you guys are awesome. And... Um, you guys are, are encouraging and fun, and and I feel like especially this past year of 2020, board games became something that people felt like they could do. We had more time for them. Um, we found more of them. We wanted to do something different with the people that we had to be stuck with during quarantine. And I think that the hobby was something that people – could see and understand it's not something nerdy but something as wholesome and as supportive and life-giving and connective um as as anything else out there so thank you for being part of that thank you for supporting us thank you for hanging in there with us and listening to our dumb jokes jason's terrible pronunciations um you know all those things like we would not do this without you guys man that's getting a little heavy there i think we need to wrap this up i know i cried a little I know. I I can't. I'm speechless. I got to wipe the tears out of my hand. I need to finish eating this Krabby Patty before you come out here and take it from me. <laughs> <laughs> All, oh, right. All right. All right, everybody. Blah, blah, blah. 
Boom, See, boom. I know. I'm eating a Krabby Patty. Shut up. <laughs> but seriously. <laughs> Happy 2021, everyone. Happy New Year. I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. Now I'm going to go steal my Krabby Patty.